Hey, Action Alerts Plus members and other folks tuning in to the AAP podcast. Welcome. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Hope you shopped your heart out over Thanksgiving, Black Friday, the weekend, and of course, Cyber Monday, which is the day that we're taping this latest installment of the AAP podcast. And of course, I'm Chris Versace, one of the co-portfolio managers of the Action Alerts Plus portfolio. And with me, as always, when we have these behind the scenes, put you in the no conversations, is my partner in crime, one Bob Lang. Bob, how was your Thanksgiving? It was a great Thanksgiving, Chris. The weather was actually really good out here in New England. But what what I found what I find is that um, after Thanksgiving is over, Chris, there's always plenty of food to go around and there's plenty of leftovers. And um, you, you think that, you know, well, maybe um, maybe I won't overeat this year. It never. <laughs> that, that's a great plan. Right. But you know what? It it, it, it tends to uh, that, that food just tends to glob onto my stomach and, and I end up having to you know, hit the hit the gym and 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 uh, hit the weight room or whatever like that to try and work off those extra calories from uh, from Thanksgiving. But uh, it's so, a, it was so a great, Bob, let me, great weekend. What? So obviously, uh, to be fair, you overindulged, perhaps. Was there any one thing in particular that was your Achilles heel over the holiday weekend? Well, my uh, mother-in-law and my wife make these wonderful party potatoes. They're really fantastic. So um, it, it was hard not to keep eating those things. And I actually snuck in a couple of spoonfuls of, of that in, in the middle of the night. <laughs> that was a, and, and, a and And for those of us, you know, uh, who are not in the know on this, party potatoes would be what? Well, they're just uh, mashed potatoes with sour cream and cream cheese and chives and garlic. And uh, it, it's, a, it was, it's a delicious recipe. It's really a... Yeah, it sounds very low-cal. <laughs> low calorie no no it's uh it's just on the opposite end of that spectrum so uh um you know i i uh, uh you know everything 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 we had was delicious the uh, my mother-in-law made is wonderful apple pie and uh pumpkin pie as well too and um you know we had other desserts as well um it was it was just great but you know it was just great to sing family and and all the everybody how many people were around the table for for all this food well, we had um, well seven uh, seven uh, seven kids and um, eight adults, so fifteen. All and how day. many people did you knock out of their chairs to get to the pie before then? Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a big competition to get to the uh, get to that pie before everybody else. But uh, <laughs> I was actually I was, it was hard to move after eating all those party potatoes. That's for sure. Getting out of the chair. <laughs> Well, I, too, had a wonderful Thanksgiving. As I uh, predicted last week, uh, the cornbread casserole was simply, you know, something else. Uh, and I am doing a little patting on the back for myself. But I also really love the homemade cranberry sauce that we made. So well, that Mr. was all good. Mr. Uh, Mr. Gordon Ramsay over there with your uh, with your recipe of cornbread, what you uh, um, teased everybody with last week. And, and shame, shame. There's nothing left over. Why is that? Actually, there's a whole pan in the refrigerator, Bob. I don't know what you're talking about. A little <laughs> self-control over here. I know. I understand the old adage, a moment on the lips, forever on the hips. <laughs> so, you know. I've heard that one in a while. That's good. So, But anyway, anyway, so my, my, my other question to you before we get going kind of ties into the other aspect of the holiday weekend, shopping 
Um, you know, you and I traded some tweets back and forth and other other pictures. Um, I did do a bunch of online shopping uh, over the over the long weekend, uh, some on Thanksgiving, some on Black Friday, some even yesterday. Uh, and believe it or not, as we're doing this on Cyber Monday, I have yet to do anything. I might be totally shopped out, including, as my dad would say, perhaps a sniffy new, uh, sorry, snazzy new blazer for the holidays, something perhaps AAP members might see in one of our daily videos. Um, but um, when I was at Target, I, I was amazed at how empty it really was. I mean, this was Saturday afternoon, like like primetime shopping hours. No one was around. Well, so I had the evening uh, covered there, Chris, and I think I, I think I sent you a, uh, <clears throat> a, a a picture of of what of what I saw at Target. Now, you know, obviously in in New England, you know, the weather weather is kind of uh, challenging around this time of year. It could be a very very cold, wet, snowy. You never know what you're going to get. But um, uh, it was it, it was a beautiful night on on Saturday. We went to uh, we went to Target to go do a little bit of uh, minor shopping and return a couple of items. And you, you could have, you know, you, you could have thrown a, a, a giant boulder through the store and never hit anybody. And because it was it was that empty. <clears throat> and I, I was I was I was shocked. So, you know, what time was it? It was about 830 at night. You know, they they're, they said they they're keeping hours uh, till about 11, 1030, 11 o'clock at night. And they're going to be expanding their hours later on um, as we get closer to Christmas. But, you know, the merchandise wasn't great, first of all. Second of all, again, people were picked through a lot of stuff. And third, you know, just there just weren't very many many shoppers out there. But you know, maybe all they did was shop online. Well, you know, the data that we got from Adobe and, and a couple other areas really spoke to that. You know, online shopping Thanksgiving up year over year. Black Friday set a new record. Um, the holiday weekend was also very strong. And, and again, today Cyber Monday, as we tape today's conversation, is expected to be the biggest online shopping day of the year, something north of eleven billion dollars. And, you know, I can't get into this, you know, because we're, we're proud to say, Bob, that the podcast is now going out over uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. But on the heels of that, did we make some moves with the Action Alerts Plus portfolio today? Yes, we did. Really yep. taking advantage of that data. And I, I, I think, you know, one, we, we kind of suspected that we were going to see this consumers leaning into digital shopping, really to stretch those disposable dollars that they do have given higher food costs, higher energy costs, trying to make the most of it. But the other thing that really jumped out at me, Bob, and I have to be candid, I wasn't really thinking about this, was the surge in BNPL or buy now, pay later. And, and when you think about that, that notion of, you know, kind of reverse layaway from when, when we were kids, right, where you would pay, 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 finally get it. BNPL lets you to get it and spread the payments out over three, four months. Um, you know, with the number of uh, digital commerce sites using BNPL, that's another reason that digital shopping could be a, another sleeper winner this holiday season. Chris, you know, I I, um, <clears throat> they, I think they've changed that um, acronym of BNPL to BNNP, which would be buy now, never pay. I've heard some people. <laughs> talk, I've I've heard some people talking about that. I mean, this is the modern day layaway, isn't it? I mean, we're, yeah, no, it is. It is. I mean, mo most of the ones that I've seen. I mean, e even Apple allows you to do it. You know, through their um, through their own Apple Card financing, you could pay up front or you could spread it out over four payments. Uh, a number of other sites that I was, you know, just scanning for shopping over the long weekend. 
um, it was like that as well. But it speaks to the company called Affirm, um, which I think I, I might butcher the ticker symbol here. I think it's AFRM, if I remember correctly. That's right. And actually, Affirm, you know, was uh, uh, created by uh, Max Lebchin, who uh, was one of the um, founders of PayPal many years ago, along with one Elon Musk. So, Correct. So he he he's brought into this uh, um, <clears throat> into this universe's ecosystem of uh, buy now pay later, and you know the stock really got a big boost uh, uh, last year or year before last, Chris, in um, by putting together a deal with Amazon, and uh, you know the they stock surged a lot and then come back down to earth quite a bit because um, I think people are realizing that um, you know again that buy now pay later is much more of a hey listen you know what i'll i'll throw it out there i'm never going to pay let them come after me i don't care you know that that's just the that's just the attitude that that a lot of consumers have when they you know take advantage of a of, of a program like such as this to try and get them access to to buy more stuff well unlike you bob i pay all my bills on time unlike me oh <laughs> that's so mean chris I, i'm all, i'm I'm a, I'm a I'm a I'm a good steward of my credit. I I'm sure you are. I'm just having a little fun as you take on the persona of the people that would not do that. Um, not not assaulting your character or your credit score. Believe you me. Um, but it is kind of interesting, right? That that we're seeing this. Um, I also think that you know if people are tilting into BNPL, I, I think it it just kind of confirms what we thought too that people would be concerned about the disposable dollars they do have. There's some great positioning points that we have in the AAP portfolio. And, and again, without giving away too much, uh, it really reaffirms uh, a company that you and I are big believers in that has a very differentiated um, business model when it comes to the retail landscape. So, so Chris, I have a question for you. Um, I know you follow the MasterCard um, uh, spending, pulse pulse? Data, mm -hmm. spending pulse data. Does that include the um, buy now, pay later um, purchases or, or you know that's a great question <clears throat> that's a great question i don't think i've seen anything referenced for bnpl um either in the regular monthly reports that they put out or in the holiday shopping forecast they put out and i don't believe the national retail federation um, had that in their thinking as well maybe they did behind the scenes they certainly didn't call it out in the annual forecast that they put out so Again, you know, when BNPL surges, I think it was something like 80% week over week. That, that that tells us a couple of things about the mindset of the consumer, but I also think it, it, it bodes very, very well for a stronger than expected shift towards digital shopping. So so I have a question for you about coming full circle about to where we were, because you talked about Target being empty and I did as well too. Um, what's your what's your what's your view on that? Is it because people are tapped out? Are they just waiting for more deals or are they waiting um, for after Christmas sales to come come along, which could be even bigger bargains if these these uh, retailers have to hold more inventory? What, what, what's the... Um, what's Let's the see, how can I sum that up in a very succinct way? Yes, All yes, three? yes. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I say that because I, I, think, I think that, you know, one, Consumers have been conditioned to really look for these sales and deals, okay? Um, and we know that the closer we get to Christmas, for some retailers, it becomes a, a more desperate situation. Either they've got to book whatever they can, or they, you know, conceptually they say, wow, if I don't get rid of this stuff, I'm going to be dealing with it after the holidays. 
you know, I will take whatever I can get if it's, you know, 80 cents on the dollar, 70 cents on the dollar, something like that. So I, I think that all plays into it. But, you know, as we talked before, you know, over the last couple of weeks, retailers have reported inventories haven't necessarily worked down either as much as people thought or coming into the holiday season, they were up year over year, depending on the retailer. Um, we, we, you and I, that is, agreed that there might be some plays after the holidays that can really take advantage of these excess inventory levels, uh, these more discount retailers, if you will. So, so turning to um, turning the page over to the Fed, I, I can't imagine that this is the sort of behavior. We had strong retail sales in October. We had mm-hmm. a strong job market as well too, um, and other other indications. Durable goods was real strong. I think probably the the weakest link in the more recent data has been the PMI numbers. Um, but still, the, flat, I, the the you mean just to be clear. Data. The, the November flash PMI. Yeah, absolutely. Came out last week. And I think mostly the market has been ignoring that bad data and just, you know, um, focusing on on the on the good positive data for the economy. But, you know, to going back to what Chairman Powell talked about, you know, with, you know, people are going to feel some pain. We're looking to, um, re, you know, cut the demand back. I, you know, a lot of people you throw this word term out, demand destruction. I hate that because I'm, I really don't think that that's what the Fed's ultimate goal is all about. It's just basically to try and slow down the economy. I can't imagine, Chris, that some of these numbers that they're seeing right now is encouraging them to stop rate hikes or even slow slow the rate hikes down um, or even talk about rate cuts down the, down the road, right? I mean, because I mean, if demand is still strong for, for products and we've seen that with a, what, a record um, Black Friday, what what are they, what are they to do? I mean, they, they continue, you know, the, the consumer is still strong, and they're going they're going to raise rates even further than anybody even believes, right? So you know, it, it's fascinating because whenever we not we, but whenever the market latches onto a narrative about the Fed, it, it seems to be A or B, right? Either this or that, and. You know, we, we've seen that yet again. Will it be 75 in December? Will it be 50 in December? And and at the end of the day, you know, you and I chatted about this several podcasts ago. Okay, so it's, you know, a swing at 25 basis points. But I, I think the real conversation that's starting to evolve is it doesn't matter if it's 50, doesn't matter if it's 75 in December. What is the actual terminal number? That's the question, right? And, and as... Um, <clears throat> Uh, what's his, oh, Saint, Mr. St. Louis Fed President um, Bullard, Bullard came Bullard. out. Yeah, you know, he shot his mouth off recently. Oh, 5% could be 7%. Who knows? And I, and, I, and I think that's the issue. And the market seems to be always latching on the next thing, not thinking like in chess, you know, you got to think two or three moves ahead. You know, the market's playing checkers. I hate to say it. Yeah, it's 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 just thinking about the next move, and you know at, at least he came out gunning with a uh, with a range there, saying, "Look, here's the uh, most." He said the most dovish um, scenario would be five percent, Chris, and then the most yeah. bearish, the most uh, hawkish scenario could be up to seven percent. And you know, again, as we talked about, um, in, in history um, uh, is as our guide is that we've never seen uh, inflation be so high with the fed funds rate so low uh and we haven't seen the uh, we, we often see the the fed funds rate at least go up to the core rate which is 
you know, anywhere from five and a half to six and a half percent, depending on which um, which numbers you want to look at. Right. Right. And I, I think last week, too, on the podcast, you know, listeners and members, if you missed it, I would encourage you to go back. We actually talked about what the market multiples were when inflation, GDP and the Fed funds rate were all kind of lumped together for where we're going. Uh, you know, without saying again too much, I, I sound like I'm saying that quite a bit now, but it, it's one of those things that it, it continues to keep us a little cautious about where things are likely to go, uh, either as we round out 2022 or as we enter 2023. But getting back to the Fed, Bob, um, big week of data, man. Holy cow. We've yeah. got we've got the I, the official November ISM data. We get the final PMI data from S&P Global. We get November, um, no, sorry, October uh, personal uh, spending and income. We get the latest PCE price index, a Fed, a Fed favorite, Powell's talking. And as we end the week, we've got the uh, employment report. So there'll be a lot of data to chew on. Which one or two do you think is going to be most important? Um, I think the uh, one, two, I'm going to say one, two, three. I think Powell talking on Wednesday number one for me, the jobs report on Friday. And then there's another one, too. I think there's going to be a revision for uh, GDP coming out. I believe it's on Wednesday after the close. Another another revision. So, um, well, well, actually, the first revision. The first one was an estimate at the end of October. And then we're going to get a, um, a, second, a, a second look at that to see where that's at. Because I want to say it came in, what did it come in? About 2.6% for, for Q3. Um, it was, we'll, see, we'll see what sort of... Um, uh, input data, and that's usually the second, the first revision, Chris, is usually uh, regards to um, uh, move, you know, money, money moving in, in and out. It's it's the input output data um, that we uh, that that they they share later on in uh, at the end of uh, at the end of the quarter. So um, we'll see how that um, how that moves the uh, moves markets there. But I think it's the it's Powell's speech, and I saw uh, in Bloomberg today somebody had an article saying that he's going to come out swinging with talking about um, seeing a path for lower rate hikes, smaller rate hikes going forward. Don't you think the, the market has probably already priced that in with about an so, 8% move in the past uh, you know, six weeks? So I saw the same market, I, the, the same article, but you know, the, the back half of it actually was getting to something I said a few minutes ago about the terminal rate. So it, to me, you know, again, if he if he kind of says, yeah, smaller rate hikes, 50, whatever, okay, but what's the other shoe? To me, that's the more important thing to focus on for what he has to say, because every other time he's spoken, um, it's always been, we're going to go big for longer. We're going to keep going to the job is done. Even after we're done hiking rates, they're going to stay elevated for prolonged periods of time. You know, these are the points that I think he's going to hammer home with this second shoe, if you will. Um, I, I, and Chris, you know, I can't I, I can't uh, get away from the uh, image of um, the, uh, the 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 uh, stock, uh, the investors being like Rocky and the Fed being Apollo Creed and, and, and investors just keep getting punched in the face from the, you know, from the first or second Rocky over and over and over again and, and, and knocked down and keep coming out coming back up and. You know, eventually, you know, Pal or Apollo Creed is gonna is, is gonna wipe them out. You know, and and is not gonna be able to get up. But you know. Well, remember in Rocky II, they both went down, and it was a very close outcome. Where, if I use your analogy, the investors came out. So perhaps, right. perhaps late 2023, when we're in round two of this, 
the sequel, if you will, perhaps that is the time that investors will get it right. Yeah, as long as we're not having to run around chasing a chicken like uh, um, Burgess Meredith had uh, had Rocky do. Well, to, to you know, get, after after all shape, that, right? after all that pie and party potatoes, maybe you should. <laughs> so I think a chicken's a little bit easier to catch than a turkey, don't you? Uh, I don't know. Most most turkeys I have are on the plate, so it's pretty <laughs> easy to catch. Um, so j just getting back to this big data for the week, um, there's really two things that I want to tie together. One is going to be the official ISM uh, PMI data. You know, with Action Alerts Plus members, you know, the last week or two, we've really t talked with you about the tight relationship between trends in the ISM manufacturing and S&P 500 revenue per share. Um, that's in our notes. We'll, we'll see if we can provide a link in today's uh, show notes to that. Um, but that's what I'll be watching to see if it confirms what the S&P Global flash November PMI data had, which was contract contraction territory, the first time in, in some time. So that's a little concerning to me, and I'll be on top of that. But the other thing hand in hand with that is uh, not only the disruptions that we're seeing in China, but we also have I think it's like half a dozen um, investor conferences this week, yeah. which means that th this is going to be this week, next week, right before we go into the quiet period for the close of the December quarter, there will be uh, a number of conferences, last ditch effort for the companies to kind of give the tone on what they're seeing for the quarter and give any type of shifting body language on what expectations may be. Um, you know, I I've been rather vocal here on the podcast as well as in the writings and alerts that I am concerned about 2023 earnings expectations. They have come down, but I do think that there's more room for them to go. And I wouldn't be surprised if given what we've heard again out of China uh, and some other things that are going on, slowing of demand, continued inflation prices, blah, 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 Bob, that you know companies are gonna take a more conservative stance. And we could see some of that emerge during these conferences. Chris, I got it. <clears throat> interesting email from a subscriber the other day. I want to share it with you and, and get your view on this. So so he was saying that after this uh, election, um, midterm election, obviously con the, the Congress, House of Representatives, is going to have a slight majority. Looks mm -hmm. like the Senate is going to be in the hands of Democrats um, and obviously with, with President Biden there. So um, A, the first thing is that the, the laws that were passed more recently are, are, are not going to change. There's still going to be money flowing to those projects, Correct. like the infrastructure. The Biden um, infrastructure the, law and- The CHIPS, and, chips mm -hmm. law. Uh, oh, CHIPS Act, yeah. And there's that, there's that one component. And, then, and also the other component that it's highly unlikely in the next couple of years we're gonna get new laws coming in because of, of the, you know, highly likely that the Republicans are not gonna be on board unless they can find four. I think the differential is four um, to, to flip something. Mm -hmm. um, I think they're they're gonna they're gonna probably stand very um, uh, together with with any decisions that are that are made. So we're not gonna probably see we're gonna see a little bit of you know it's gonna I'm gonna call it gre uh, gridlock light um, over yeah. the next couple of years. So so this person was asking you know w would it be would it make sense to find more of these infrastructure type plays to add into the portfolio? And I think we have about two or three already. And I and I I kind of thought about that. I said yeah you know there's there's probably a lot of names out there. That we could add to the portfolio that we that that could that could do well, you know, regardless of whether we're still in a bear market or not, because they're getting money flows coming in from these um, from these laws. What do you think? I think that's right. I I think you know, 
it's always a balance, right? Between having the right amount of exposure, not being, you know, kind of baby bear, right? We don't want too much, we don't want too little, but we want to have the ones that, in, in my opinion, uh, and I, I use this analogy often, so I apologize, um, it's a lot like Qualcomm, right? Where you're the arms merchant, you sell to everybody, right? So it's a rising tide situation, lifting all boats. Um, but remember too, though, that you know some names you know, might have a great run, so the risk reward is skewed, even though we're early on in the uh, spending for the for the Biden infrastructure law, that might give us an opportunity to you know sell some of that position, some of it, all of it, and move into a name that hasn't really moved yet that might be you know still have a lot more demand improvement. So so yeah, I I agree with you on that. But just generally speaking, if we've got somewhere between let's say uh, you know 24 individual stock positions and ETFs, you know. I would say two or three is probably the right number, depending on the size of the positions. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. And the one, so one area that I was I was curious about too, Chris, because we've seen a lot of turmoil this last few days in China with uh, with people from uh, uh, the Chinese are are trying to are protesting um, the government and so forth. It, it, it's almost like thirty something years later, like Tiananmen Square um, mm -hmm. happened. Um, it's happening all over again, and. So I'm wondering, that, you know, uh, if the heat is off of Taiwan here, because obviously China has been trying to make some overtures to try and uh, get get them under their under their government. I I don't know. I, I obviously the United States is is uh, going to be steadfast against that ever happening, but still I think um, you know if 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 these uh, these guys are serious about that, this this might be that the time where they're going to say, look, you know what. Forget what you guys are doing over there um, in uh, on the social part of the uh, uh, of the uh, of the land. We're 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 going to make a move on 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 Taiwan. It could I guess it could happen at any time, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not as steeped in the geopolitical events, um, even <laughs> even even though I I live about 40 miles from what I affectionately call the other sin city known as Washington D.C. Um, <laughs> but but it'll it'll be one of those things that we we have to continue to watch. You know, it's. To me, these these uprisings that we're seeing, you know, they're um, on on the one hand a little surprising. I think too, um, you know, she is going to have his work cut out for him um, as he starts his third term. So I, I'm really kind of curious to see where it all goes. Um, and remember too, they're they're going just like we are. They're going into the winter, and you know, not only is there flu, but there's also obviously COVID, and you know. It'll be very interesting to see what happens, not just, you know, the next week or so, but I think the next several weeks as the winter season really picks up, because the thinking is people are inside more that could really lead to a rebound in the number of cases. So, so you know, uh, short answer, Bob, not so sure on Taiwan, but I will tell you what I will be watching. I'll be watching the uh, S&P Global final PMI report for Taiwan to see what it tells us about exports for semiconductors and what that might mean for the tech sector. I found what was very interesting, Chris, a, uh, a week, a couple weeks ago, we heard that uh, Warren, Warren Buffet made a big um, purchase of Taiwan Semi. Uh, mm -hmm. And, and you know, and, and certainly what Apple's a big customer of theirs, but still, um, and, and obviously Apple is a huge holding for, for uh, Berkshire Hathaway. But I, I found it interesting that 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 he um, he would go ahead and, and jump in and 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 buy some of this. It's it it is cheap. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's come down 
some 47% off the recent highs, but still, um, you know, it, 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 I found it fascinating that even with all that potential turmoil over there, um, that he would, he would make it, make it, make a, uh, take it, take it, put a toe in there and start buying some of that T- TSM. Well, I mean, you just said it, right? It's come down 47%. We know Buffett is, you know, a buy and hold investor. And he takes a very long-term approach, not not 12 months, not 18 months, much longer than that. And, you know, it's funny because in some respects, uh, well, you and I talked about this recently, right? Which is, you know, there are some longer-term uh, drivers of chip demand out there. One of the ones that is going to see a just continued, continued growth in chip content is going to be the auto industry, right? And it's it, it's been that way the last you know decade or so. It's probably going to accelerate, um, you know, not only as we see the intermingling of EVs, but ultimately as more features and functions tied to the road, if you will, for semi-autonomous autonomous driving. You know, there are cars out there now that can do the auto park. There's ones that you can take on the highway and they can, um, you know, do the driving and for short bits and stuff. And that's going to continue to increase. But there's a lot more chip content going into these cars, a lot more sensors. So that's one area of the portfolio that I'm actually looking forward and digging out some names. You know, Qualcomm's made a lot of noise in there. Of course, NVIDIA's got a very small business, ST Micro, and then there's also um, Indy Semiconductor company that came public over the last year, I believe, through a SPAC. So if you're like Buffett and you're looking at some of these things and you're having Tim Cook whisper in your ear about um, augmented reality, virtual reality, the need for more chips, I I, I can understand him doing that. I, I just think it's interesting that really it wasn't until he got into Apple and Microsoft that he really started to become a tech investor. Um, historically, he's been more what, uh, you know, candy, um, candy pop and railroads. <clears throat> and, you know, I, I, I was going to make a, a comment about Warren Buffett with Microsoft, uh, with Microsoft and Activision here, but I don't know if you know the story, but way back when Microsoft went public, I want to say it was in 1987 or 88. Um, you know, of course, Warren Buffett, um, legendary investor was good friends with Bill Gates. And um, Bill tried to sell him on buying some Microsoft stock at the time. And he didn't really understand the business. But he bought a token 100 shares, Chris. 100 shares he bought of, of, of Microsoft. And mm-hmm. I suspect with, that, with, with all, the, uh, all the splits and so forth, it, it's gone up quite a bit in, in 35 years. But uh, I, I can imagine how, how well he would have done if he did listen to his friend Bill um, and bought a huge amount of it at the time. So, um, you know, missed opportunity, but you know what? So he, he, he did buy recently, Chris, some, a whole lot of Activision, which we know is, um, uh, was offered, um, $93 a share by Microsoft in cash. Mm -hmm. And the stock is traded well, far, uh, lower than that. Well, more at a discount. Um, and I think, um, Berkshire Hathaway has bought a lot of shares of Activision in the mid to high 70s, maybe even low 80s, something like that. So they they, they bought the discount, believing that when the deal happens, that distance is going to close uh, eventually. And I think Microsoft's trying to get the deal closed um, within the, the 2023 fiscal year, which started July 1st. So they're trying to get it done before June 30th of the next year. So 
Um, they're running into some problems with the FTC. I suspect that um, they don't want to disappoint Warren Buffett um, at all. So they, they may they may have to make some concessions or sell something off or whatever um, to to make the deal happen. But um, you know that that would be a that would be a that would be a shame if that doesn't if that didn't get through for uh, for him. Well, it's uh, you know you win some you lose some, and you know what? Here here's the thing. I'm sure Buffett's doing okay. Okay, my cousin Vinny, win some, lose some. I, I, I saw the reference there, yeah. What, what are you, talking about those two Utes? Get out of here. The, um, so just, uh, just before we wrap, Bob, um, two things. One, um, we, we didn't mention this. We, we kind of skirted it. Um, we, we do have a big data week this week. It coincides with the, the closing of November. So we're two months into the current quarter and the start of December. Um, I know that um, at the end of the month, you take a very hard look at the market. It helps you kind of, um, I won't say read the tea leaves. I, I think that's a little insulting, but it, it helps you understand the market that we are in. Um, you know, we've been in a bear market for some time. What is it you will be looking to see if we are still in a bear market or if some green shoots might be approaching? Well, as we uh, approach the end of the month, we often see a lot of what's called window dressing. We see a lot of money flowing into names that people want to have printed on their on, on their on their books at the end of the month, and so we often see a lot of that happening. That may happen tomorrow, Chris, because obviously the markets are getting drilled today, down more than one percent. Um, so we may see we may see that this is a uh, being a November twenty eighth. Uh, so maybe see some of that buying coming in tomorrow, possibly spilling into Wednesday. Then again. You know, we do have Powell coming in with a speech and people may want to take a, a, a more hands-off approach. But then we come into the beginning of the month and we do get some, oftentimes get some money flows coming in as well too. So we, we could be getting a lot of wild action here. But what, as far as the bear market, bull market indicator is concerned, Chris, I always take a look at the end of the month and I look at one indicator, one indicator, it's the MACD on the monthly chart. And when, when the MACD Black line is below the red line. It's a bear market. And we crossed under that um, earlier this year and confirmed it. So we've been well below that for um, for about nine months now. And, um, you know, and, and we're still going to be below it. It's going to take months, probably at least. We had, we'd have to have five or six up months in a row, Chris, before that uh, MACD crossed above there. So, you know, if, if, if we do have four or five months in a row I'll, and we and we cross that MACD, Okay, I'm 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 going to be the first one to tell you we're in a bull market, Chris. But you know, until we get there, um, I can't say it yet. Okay, all right. So we need several months. I mean, if we look at kind of where we are quarter to date, that's a month and a half. The S and P 500 is up, adjusting for today. It's up around you know low double digits. Um, I'm happy to say, Bob, that we've got 12 plus positions in the Action Alerts Plus portfolio 12. that are. 12 that are, um, let's just use this technical term, trouncing the S&P 500 quarter to date. So, so I feel pretty good about that. Not, not every position is doing it. We've got one or two that are a little underwater, but I think we're, uh, I think we're more than holding our own given the current market. And um, as I said earlier, I think there's reasons to be cautious as we go into uh, comments about um, you know, what's, to, what's to come. Well, you know, one of the one of the names, Chris, that I, I don't, you know, I, I know we're going to talk about it in our monthly meeting next week is um, one of the stocks that you, that we that that you know, you actually you identified has done extremely well for the past month or so is this uh, Clear Secure, and it's 
again, one more time, um, I was in the airport recently and saw um, a lot of these um, uh, places. Uh, well, you, you'll be able to give us a firsthand report later this week when you go down that's, to Louisiana. That's that's exactly right. I'll be going down to down to uh, Louis Armstrong Airport and uh, see if there's a whole bunch of stations down there. That'll be great. And, and what? And give us a little tease, Bob. What will you be doing down there? I mean, other than eating beignets. I'm going to be eating beignets and 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 drinking, uh, having having drinks down there. So, um, but I'm having a meeting with uh, with some uh, very very good friends of mine and uh, talking about uh, previewing for 2023. Oh, okay, all right, okay. I'll look forward to hearing all about that early next week. <laughs> okay. Uh, Excellent. And um, this is probably a good time to remind listeners, Bob, that we'll have a very different podcast on Monday. We've got a, a, a company conversation that we're going to air. And then later in the week, around midweek, we have our December members only uh, monthly call. And I think that I think that's going to be a great call, Bob. And I see you have you're holding your Metro card. You're getting ready to get on the train, aren't you? <laughs> yes. Well, no, not the train. This is so in order for me to make the sojourn um, from outside of Washington, D.C. to uh, the New York Stock Exchange, where we will be, um, I've got to take uh, Amtrak and then I've got to take the New, the New Jersey path. So that's what this card is for. Excellent. Excellent. No, not really. It's it's not a fun ride. <laughs> not a fun ride at all. I mean, let's just say that. Uh, when I think of digital infrastructure, boy, wouldn't it be great if we had a high-speed connection all the way up throughout all the states instead of a lot of dead zones? And then as my body gets tossed around in that crappy chair on Amtrak, I'm like, why don't we have these like bullet trains like they do in you know China and Japan? Hey, maybe maybe uh, Joe Biden can take care of that with the Biden infrastructure law. Well, you know, listen, um. Uh Elon Musk started a company, and it's actually out in Los Angeles. Have you heard of it? The Boring Company? Yeah, I've heard of it. I'm still trying to figure out how he's going to tunnel underneath everybody, but we'll see how that happens. He's Listen, if anybody can figure out, it's probably him, right? Um, I'll wait and see what he does with Twitter first. Thanks. <laughs> he's just going to fire everybody over there and then and hire a whole bunch of new people and and get it, and get it going. But he 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 seems to have a... A minus touch when it comes to these things, but um. he well, he's he has passion and conviction. I'll give him that. I did you see his uh, the plans that he kind of uh, leaked a little bit about Twitter? No, I haven't. I haven't seen that either. But uh, you so know, I mean, so he's talking again about making this a, a quote super app, and I have to think he's kind of referring to what they have in China with WeChat, where you can do almost anything with it message, make payments, uh, buy things, hail a cab, you know, blah, blah, blah. So it'll be curious to see, you know, if he uh, if he's able to pull that off. And this latest, um, I don't want to say leak, but tease is probably a better word. He alluded to payments. And, you know, that th this brings us all the way back where you talked about him being a founder for PayPal um, and with his uh, X.com company that was merged in with another company to become the PayPal we know it today. So I am kind of curious to see where all this goes. But um, I, but I think, he's all, I think he's all about transactions and he's all about you know e-commerce. And I, I think that that's where he's really going to um, leverage the um, the audience in Twitter to try to move them in that in that direction. It's going to take some time to do it, but I think um, you well, know. 
may who knows, Bob, maybe this time next year, one of us will be able to buy a Tesla using Twitter coin through Twitter. Who knows? <laughs> so any 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 closing thoughts here, Bob? That's it, Chris. I'm looking forward to uh, seeing you next week. And yep. uh, we're going to have a great time in, uh, in, uh, in the Big Apple. And uh, hopefully we'll have a chance to, uh, um, you know, share a little bit more of some more successes from our from our portfolio as we, uh, you know, get ready to the end of the year. I think we will, too. And uh, with that, members, just a quick reminder again, next week we do have our members only call for December. If you have any questions you want to ask, any uh, any other thoughts, please let us know and we'll be happy to tackle them uh, during the members call. Yep. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone.